0: following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion ideas skepticism and adult subject matter topics will be discussed using adult language sometimes gratuitously get ready to move the conversation forward this ain't your granddad's news and comment show this is i doubt it podcast with Brittany page and jesse Dalamore. Welcome to the show, episode 848 of I Doubt It Podcast. I am your host, Jesse Dollimore, joined today by the lovely, talented, and indeed scholarly Freddie Page.
1: Well, it already feels more official because we have different chairs now. Yeah. Which means I'm not sitting on a little stool hovering above you, looking down on you.
0: Yeah. I mean That's the most important thing.
1: Actually physically looking down on you. (laughs) Not just the other type of looking down yeah, on you that sometimes happens on the show with the judgment, <laughs> but not just
0: by you, yeah, by everyone in the audience.
1: And was I sick last time? Because I'm feeling better. I think you were in the in
0: the in the final stages. It was lingering, but uh, diminished.
1: Yeah, I was getting pressure from people to go to the doctor, and I
2: who?
1: from friends, oh. and I am I'm reluctant again. To, who I don't like. <laughs> I don't like going to the doctor. It's not something that I enjoy. I don't want to spend my time there. And unless I feel like it's absolutely necessary, I would prefer not to do that. So yeah. I'm very happy that it naturally went away on its own without having to go to the doctor.
0: Like most illnesses do. <laughs> but why should we clog our medical system with,
1: I'm got a cold.
0: Yeah, fucking drink some water and get some rest.
1: All right. So- We want to get to some some updates about the Patreon end of year gift because we've heard a lot of fantastic feedback. And before we do that, though, we're going to talk about a little bit of a uh, a happening news around here in DC, where President Biden and First Lady Jill Biden, Doctor Jill Biden, as Megyn Kelly would not like me to call her, went to dinner at a local Italian restaurant here. And it was a restaurant that you and I went to.
0: We'd just been to.
1: Just a few weeks prior. And they sat almost exactly where we sat. We sound like nerds right now. Oh, my God, they sat where we sat. Well,
0: it was like we we passed by there and there was a bunch of action. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what's going on? And then it looked like something like that, like a dignitary might be there because... There was a bunch of people milling around outside the front. But then there was also an ambulance there. So I, I just thought it was like city emergency type things.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And
0: then because of the different accounts we follow on Instagram and Twitter, it was like, oh, yeah, Biden had dinner at Red Hen. Yeah. And then the next day, <laughs> and I want to have a conversation with you about this other thing, too. Uh huh. But the next day I saw there was a photo of them. And some woman accosted them at dinner and like, ah, eh, Ukraine or whatever. And I had the thought, I wonder where they sat in there. Mm-hmm. Because it's a small restaurant, but we sat in a, not the most comfortable area, mm-hmm. against the wall in like a, you know, the, how they have like a, it's half booth, half table with a chair. Yeah. And they sat right next to where we sat, in the, right next to it, because there's this awesome picture of a goat
1: yes. that we had
0: a whole conversation about. Yeah. And that's where they sat right there.
1: Well, and I think the reason that we are sitting around like, oh my God, they sat so close to where we sat. I'm not doing that. Is because, well, there's a reason for it that we could have very well been sitting next to President Biden. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At dinner if only we had gone, you know, on the right day. And Days not, later. Yeah. <laughs> so that was
0: cool. But the thing I wanted to ask you about is there was a write up in like Washingtonian Magazine or some, I saw it on Instagram apparently because it was reported exactly what they ordered and exactly what wine they had, which Uh I had, by the way, not great. Um,
1: I love that you're looking into their order.
0: No, no, it just showed up in my fucking Instagram feed. (laughs) I'm looking at their order, but apparently they both ordered the same entree Mm. and a bunch of people were like, what the fuck? That's outrageous. You know, everybody's got to freak out about everything. Sure. And I don't understand that. Why should one member of the party not get the thing they fucking want because the other member of the party wants the thing that they
1: want? Well, I'm feeling quite attacked right now (laughs) because this is something that you accuse me of having a problem with. Like, you will wait Uh, to order, and you won't (laughs) tell me what you're getting because you get worried. Like, I'll tell you, oh, I'm getting this, and then I'll say, what are you getting? And you won't tell me because you get worried that, if you're getting what I wanted, I won't actually well, order the thing I wanted.
0: It's happened on the, on occasion. I don't think that it I say I'm gonna. I want what I want, and then you choose something different. Maybe it's my perception that you get the other thing because I'm getting the thing that you originally wanted.
1: Yeah. I, so this is complicated. I mean, if you know, if you know that you want the thing and you're going to enjoy the thing and you want your own portion of the thing, then you should definitely order two of the same. That's fine. But if the goal is to try other dishes, then I think it's better to order two different things. And this actually happened when we went to Red Hen. I got the Cacio e Pepe. Yeah, yeah. And you got the like short rib ragu. That's right. That's
0: exactly what I got. And And by the way, it was fucking good.
1: Yours was way better than mine.
0: Way more than yours, too. Like quantity.
1: Yeah, they like drop this off, and I'm like, do they think I'm a bird? I don't, this is not. They gave you like
0: two bucatinis (laughs) and a little bit of cheese pasta.
1: I mean, it it was good. It was good. But it was a small portion. So. (laughs) <laughs> do you get what I mean, though? There's like there's different concerns that you have to weigh in yeah, terms I guess. of
0: yeah. I just I'm not. Maybe I'm just so selfish that I'm only thinking about this is what I'm going to eat. Everybody else <laughs> can do their fucking thing. I'm not worried about that.
1: Well, what I do get annoyed with is when we're out with other people. Like, it's more than just me and you. Like, it'll be a table of four. We have friends with us or even or more. And the server will try to convince us to have a family style meal with everyone. And in fact, it's happened where, you know, I will order a dish and then a guest of ours will order the same dish and the server will try to talk them out of it by saying that I already got that. Like they can eat my food. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, wait, I'm not (laughs) consenting to any of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What is happening right now? Please stop.
0: Also, family style is verging on you, but you got to really know the people because (laughs) some of these places don't even give like additional serving utensils. It's Mm -hmm. just like dig in there with your... Fucking herpy fork. Nobody wants any part of that.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> too much. <laughs> I mean, it's a whole other level. <laughs> so, so let's let's talk about this Patreon end of your gift really quick. We again have gotten several messages. I know exactly the cluster that I put in the mail because of the messages that I got from people on a specific day. Like I, I know what batch it was that everyone yeah, yeah, yeah. got. So that's good news because again, a ton of people have gotten them. So we were expecting a bunch of other returned packages just based on the postage, but we did not get those. Let's so, quit calling
0: them packages that we're feeding into the post office's nonsense. Yeah,
1: you guys Envelope. you're gonna be you're gonna be this is so ridiculous that all this is happening. When you get it, you're just gonna say, What what's going on? Well, like, when I- you
0: get it imagine in your mind a situation where the post office wants to charge five dollars and60 cents to mail that
1: yeah it's not it's not a box <laughs> domestically it's, it is a four by six padded envelope that's yeah. it yeah 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 it is and it's flat it's flat it's not so
0: flat so anyway so flat
1: we for the first time though we got and again hundreds of these have gone out. I started sending these at the end of January. And hundreds of them have gone all over the world to London, to Denmark. I mean, come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And for some reason, comparatively, a handful got returned. And we just got a message last week. One person said they got a notice that they are not going to have the package delivered, the envelope delivered, because... Because there's extra postage due that they have to pay. C-O-D,
0: like postage
1: due. This is ridiculous. This is the first time we're hearing about this. So if that happened to you, please email us a photo of the notice that you got of the postage that is due. That is not our intention. This is a free perk on Patreon. Yeah. We will either pay that, To you, Or we will just send you a new one and you can forget about the trash that's waiting for you there. I'm like, I'm so, I just cannot believe that this (laughs) is happening. I don't understand the inconsistency. That's what's confusing is how does, how does something with the same postage make it no problem? And then in other areas, it is, it's a problem. And we're talking local. We're talking in the United States for this one.
0: Some of them are getting returned that are, literally a couple miles away
1: yeah so i don't know i don't know what's happening but again hundreds of them have made it fine no problem but but you know so some people have reached out hey is mine in the return pile and i was able to answer those questions because i've been keeping pretty good track of this so again give us until the end of the month if you haven't received yours by the end of the month reach out and we will figure out what has happened
0: also do reach out. Don't pull that bullshit where you're like, no, it's too much of an inconvenience. I don't want to bother them for just this small thing. Fuck that. We want to hear from you. We we went through a lot of trouble and a lot of planning and a lot of design nonsense because we want you to have this. It means a lot to us. So absolutely reach out if it's not too much of an inconvenience for you.
1: Yeah, and that's what sucks is I know it's a pain in the... Asked to have to email us and say why the hesitation well i usually say pain in the dick and i <laughs> <laughs> i decided, <laughs> I decided but to we say. know
0: it's a, we know it's a problem we're sorry we foisted this upon you yeah but you know play our little reindeer game and uh, we'll we'll all get through it together yeah before we get to that though we want to talk about our new patron our new patrons on patreon Let's go with that.
1: Thank you to Jason C. Jason C. Brad B. Brad B. Kitwana T.
0: Kitwana T.
1: Michael S. Michael S. And Christopher T.
0: Christopher T.
1: Thank you so much to all of our new Patreon supporters. We could not do this without you. Your support is what is helping us grow this operation. Finally, in the year 2023, on our upcoming eight-year anniversary...
0: Nine-year anniversary.
1: Nine-year anniversary. We are going to be... How
0: fucking dare you. We
1: are going to be recording on video every episode of the show and putting it on YouTube. It's finally happening. Well, I
0: listen, I'm looking right at a camera that will be looking at my ugly mug that's already set up, but Mm -hmm. we're still, we're waiting for like acoustic tile because it's still a fucking nightmare in here. There's bookshelves we're going to have in here. There's other elements that we can't begin doing it yet because we don't want to do it piecemeal. We want to unveil it and then everybody can enjoy the visual and the audio.
1: Right, and we expect to have that done in the next couple of weeks here, and then what's going to happen is that we're going to start having guests in studio, people who live in Washington, D.C., people who are traveling to D.C. on a consistent basis that can stop in, in studio, sit down, on camera, For an interview. Now, of course, we will continue to do the audio. You don't need to worry about that. That's not going away. It's just that the video is going to be an addition. So if you would prefer to watch us, (laughs) you will be able to do that. Now, of course, remember, if you become a Patreon supporter for any amount, you have access to the ad free episodes. So... If you're listening to this on Spotify or Google Podcasts or Apple Podcasts, you are hearing it with ads. If you become a Patreon supporter, you get the ad-free version. And
0: if you hate... If you hate the ads that much and you want to become a patron just to help yourself out, great. But keep in mind that absolutely your Patreon support goes a long way toward all of the growth that we are, we are experiencing right now with the show and becoming the, 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 the reputable level of show that we can attract solid big time guests. So that's all because of you guys. We love you and we appreciate you very much. And to that end. We want to hear from you. 657-464-7609. Email those voice memos from your smartphone to I doubt it at dollamore.com. And with that, some listener communication.
3: Hey, guys. Um, so I've been listening since about 2016. And there's been lots of times throughout the years where I've wanted to call in. But I just haven't for whatever reason. Um, But this time I was moved to call in um, to talk about the shooting at Michigan State University, Um, because that is my school. Um, I graduated about 12 years ago now, but um, it's still a huge part of my life. Um, I grew up a fan, I met my very best friend. She was my blind freshman roommate. I still have tons of friends from the school. I go up and visit, go to basketball games. Um, So when my mom called me and told me there was an active shooter on on campus, I I don't live in the state anymore, so I had to try to find local coverage online. And I was just so enraged. I'm just enraged that we have to live like this. I mean, how many times are we going to go through this as a country? And I have one friend from Michigan State who has taken a very hard right turn in recent years. It took everything in me not to text her and, and just just unleash on her and just say, "Are you happy?" this is what this is what happens when you vote for these jackasses um You know, it's especially hard because, um, uh, as some outlets have noted, um, there's an Oxford school shooting um, about a year and a half ago, which is in Metro Detroit, probably 20 minutes from my parents. So it just feels like it's closing in. You know, there's more and more of these shootings every single year, and at a certain point, we can't pretend that we're going to be immune and that it's not going to affect us or someone we love one day. And it's just, it's so scary. And it's so enraging, again, that this is how we have to live because there's nothing that can be done about it. Um, I feel kind of silly for being so emotional because I don't know anyone at MSU anymore. I don't know these kids that died, but Brittany, I'm reminded of what you said that, you know, when we get emotional, it's a reminder of our humanity and we can't lose that in all of this because if we lose that, then then we're really doomed. So anyway, thank you guys for letting me share. You guys are both the best part, but especially Sweet Pea.
1: I think it's a great, great message from Anonymous and I want to read a follow-up message from Anonymous that was sent and anonymous writes, I misspoke in this voice memo. I said, nothing can be done about mass shootings, but what I should have said is nothing will be done. Of course, plenty of measures can be implemented to stop the carnage, but Republican ghouls bought off by the NRA and second amendment freak shows block any sensible gun reforms.
0: Yeah, I'm, this is an issue that makes me uh, a little bit of a pessimist. You would think that something would have been done after Las Vegas with the insane carnage that took place. And nearly a decade or so prior to that, you would have thought that the slaughter of nearly 30 children would have done it with Sandy Hook. But like the anonymous caller, didn't give their name, so we won't do that. Like they point out, it is, like, what is it going to take? And for me, the only bright light, and it's a ghoulish bright light, is that eventually we're going to come to a super saturation point with all of these shootings where they touch the lives of the living, people who are survivors, family members of people who were gunned down and there will be an overwhelming cacophony of individuals who step up and say "fuck you, no more." I don't know when that will be, but to me, the fact that we have ignored the slaughter of children for the sake of the NRA—it's—it's uh, it's unconscionable. I—it's disgusting.
1: Well, and there was a headline. Yesterday, that there were 10 mass shootings over the weekend, which which makes it the worst gun violence weekend of 2023. Yeah. 10 mass shootings over the weekend. I mean, there's so many you don't even hear about them. Yeah. There's so many that it just becomes background noise. And... I think that's
0: a failure on the media's part.
1: Yeah. I mean, probably.
0: I mean, I think if they were to report on every every single one, mass shooting today, oh, another mass shooting, two o'clock, oh, six o'clock, another mass shooting... People would not be like, oh, oh, there was that many? I didn't hear about those. Mm-hmm. But if it's always in your fucking face, it's gonna spur people to action. Mm-hmm. I mean that we're grasping at straws here at Solutions, so I don't know.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I do think the the point that Anonymous made about getting emotional I notice sometimes like, you know, because we are tethered to the news on an almost constant basis and that can be very draining and stressful. And I notice sometimes actually you'll be telling me about some horrible story of shooting that has happened or the, the earthquakes that were just happening in Turkey. Another one just hit. And sometimes I'll just walk out of the room and like not respond. Yeah. And I notice that I'm doing that because I sometimes I just feel like I can't, I can't handle hearing more about it. I've reached my limit and I feel sick. And I remember seeing the names and faces of the students that were killed in, in the Michigan state uh, shooting and what they wanted to do with their lives and what they were studying in school. And it just, every person that is lost, it is, I mean, it's just tragic. I, I, It's just a
0: strange mix of things, too, because gun advocates, they'll call themselves, civil rights advocates, the NRA calls itself the the oldest civil rights organization in the country, they call themselves. No one's asking to round up all the guns. No one can own guns. We're talking about basic, incremental, solutions to problems that would box out dangerous individuals from having access to weapons that's all that's all universal background checks could be one but republicans don't want to cut off the supply of guns being sold at gun shows two randos from randos you go to a gun show you don't you don't need a background check if you want to buy a gun from your from your neighbor, whoever he or she may be, no background check. Mm-hmm. It's like buying a fucking used car, except if you want to drive that car, you got to register that car. Mm-hmm. It's just, I understand. Um, I understand the, the the issues here. And look, I'm not. This is years and years ago when I was a child, but I, I had a murder suicide situation in my family where my my cousin was killed by her boyfriend and he killed himself in their in their kitchen so even that is decades and decades removed but it it touches everyone and it only in America is this a fucking problem mm-hmm. we appreciate the call thanks for giving us uh, a window into your connection to the community. We need more people to to sound off and talk about their particular experiences.
1: I also want to say, and as a reminder, that you know we we know who sent this in because it came from their email with their name, but they requested anonymous and we always grant that so if you are someone who 's concerned about writing to the show calling in because you want to talk about something controversial like politics but you don't want your name attached to it we understand that we're dummies who attach our names to the controversial <laughs> things that we talk about yeah yeah so uh well, I
0: mean, we even we even extend that courtesy to trolls and haters
1: yes <laughs> to the what is what does trump say the losers and the haters The losers and the haters yes, <laughs> yes we do actually which is very nice of us if I do say so myself. It is
0: really nice of us.
1: So that is something. If you are nervous about that, you can send us an email. You can send in a voice memo and say I would prefer to be anonymous, and we will we will do that. I want to read an email from someone. It, there's no name in it, so it's also technically anonymous. We do that too. If you don't put a name in it, we just say it's anonymous. So this one is uh, kind of funny. So it says, Hi, why did WCW release your mom, Kimberly Page? Oh, that's right.
0: <laughs> yeah, that is funny. So
1: so, <laughs> so, 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 there is a more famous Brittany Page, and her, she's Diamond Dallas Page's daughter, the famous wrestler. Yeah. And apparently Kimberly Page is I her mom. Put,
0: I couldn't pick that fucking guy out of a lineup, by the way.
1: I couldn't either, but I know the name and I know the the connection because because of emails like this where Kimberly Page is the mother of the other Brittany Page through Diamond Dallas Page yeah, yeah, yeah. and apparently Kimberly Page is also a wrestler so I don't know. My parents are not Diamond Dallas Page and Kimberly Page. <laughs> I just want to make that very clear because right. I talk about my parents being Nazis, and that would then implicate <laughs> Yeah, wrestlers and being Nazis, and also my dad's dead. so you know, you don't have to worry about that. Um, so no, my mom is not Kimberly Page. I don't know why the WCW I don't even know what that is would release her. What, I don't, what I don't
0: WCW know WCW I don't know what any Wrestling. of that means. I, I don't I know. can't even come up I, with something. I have no idea. Right now, people are laughing their asses off because I know, I know we have wrestling aficionados in the audience. Paul in Texas is a wrestling guy.
1: Yeah. I, I again, I don't know. So, sorry is about that. Is it World
0: Championship
1: Wrestling? Oh, maybe. that's that's sounds like it could be it. Yeah. <laughs>
0: We'll just go with that. (laughs) If you have answers to any of these pressing issues, we'd love to hear from you. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at com. Dollamocracy.
4: Facing down pessimistic
0: politics with realistic optimism.
1: So last time on the show, Jesse D, you had an opportunity to respond to Nikki Haley's request that politicians over the age of 75 receive some testing to ensure that they are able to hold the office. And you said that you believe this is inappropriate, that it is not constitutional. I don't know if you said it's ageist. Did you say it's ageism?
0: Probably not. I don't, that's not usually language I, that's in my lexicon. Mm. But yeah, that's, I mean, that is what it is. But I was talking about how it's extra constitutional. It's adding layers of qualif- qualifiers to run for office that aren't, that don't apply to everybody else.
1: Right. So Nikki Haley wants these competency tests. And so, the politicians who are over that threshold over the age of 75 are now finding themselves being asked about what they think about these competency tests, including Senator Bernie Sanders, who was asked this question by Stephen Colbert.
0: Senator Bernie Sanders, Nikki Haley this past week in her in her announcement uh, speech, I think, not her video, but her announcement speech, she said she thinks that the presidency... She wants, a, she wants a, a competency test for all federal candidates over the age of 75, which would include yourself, the former president and the present president, many, many other people in the Senate and, and in the House. What, what, do, you, what do you make of, of that call? Look,
5: we have come, Stephen, a very long way in the last decades in fighting racism, got a long way to go, fighting sexism, fighting homophobia. I think what she is saying is nothing more than old-fashioned ageism. And, you know, to be honest, look, I know people who are 90 who are as sharp as a tack, and I know people who are 40, you know, you've got to prod them a little bit. Sure. So I think the bottom line is mm-hmm. you, voters judge people based on their competence, their confidence, their views. There are a thousand factors. But to simply say that if somebody is 75 or older, they need some kind of test, uh, I think that is just ageism and not acceptable.
0: And it would be impossible to actually create because the Constitution lays out what the qualifications are. Exactly. For you need a constitutional amendment.
5: Well, some of these guys don't worry about the Constitution too much. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: fucking Bernie. So... Listen. This is a tactic that has been used all throughout America's history. I mean, if you think about the poll tax, if you think about literacy tests for voting, if you think about being grandfathered in—that if you you had to have a grandfather who who was w- participated in the in the franchise of voting, which would have eliminated, you know, any uh, former slave—it just it's extra bullshit that they're they're not going to apply um, across the board and it's fucking wrong.
1: Well, and let's just also say Bernie Sanders will be 82 years old in September. So, yeah, he is older no, no, than And also
0: let me Sorry, let me also say this. I, listen, I'm not all for I think Joe Biden should not run. I think Donald Trump should not run. I think Bernie Sanders should not run. I think it's they're too old to potentially uh it's a reasonable expectation that they might befall health complications might befall them they might die in office and that would plunge the united states into an uncertain situation both globally and domestically so it's, I, I don't want them to run but we're not just going you can't just apply different rules to different groups of people in the united states that's not who the fuck we are or who we ostensibly aspire to be
1: well and to bernie Sanders' point joe biden is a fellow octogenarian and there's a clear difference between the two of them yeah. in terms of their ability to communicate, and I mean,
0: the, the public-facing um, acuity s- seems a little different.
1: Yes, absolutely. And so, you know, is Matt Gates, you know, is he qualifying for these competency competency tests? Is Marjorie right. Taylor Greene? Right. Is Lauren, Lauren Boebert? Fucking Boebert? Right. Is George <clears throat> Santos? Like, come on! I mean, somehow you go before the electorate. And they're like, yeah, I'll vote for Lauren Bobert, <laughs> And then they elect her. And wow, what a feat that, that right. she's able to make that happen twice. I mean, it's
0: a bunch of Lauren Boberts voting for fucking Lauren Boebert. You, we, I grew up in an area filled with Lauren Boberts. You know, uh-huh. my youth pastor's wife or my youth pastor, the, the main pastor's wife, was kind of a Lauren Bobert. She, like, whenever I watch Sarah Palin talk... I'm just like, oh my God! This was this person in my life. Mm-hmm. It's there's all kinds of these dummies out
3: there.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, get ready because the Republican Party is is starting to come out. the The candidates are starting to come out. We have Nikki Haley. We have Donald Trump. People are talking about Ron DeSantis as though he's already thrown his hat in the ring. He hasn't yet, but I'm sure that that is is coming. They're starting to talk about Tim Scott as possibly coming forward and throwing his hat in the ring in the next month or two. About
0: Ron DeSantis, (laughs) if that guy wasn't running for president, when people asked him questions about what Donald Trump this or that and running, he would say... Look, I'm not running. Mm-hmm. Why am I even in this conversation? I'm not running for president. Mm-hmm. He's not doing that. Yeah. He's running.
1: <laughs> so uh, CNN, Gary Tuckman went down to an event that, that Tim Scott was speaking at and decided to survey some Republicans that were there asking them who their their favorite is for the upcoming 2024 election.
6: A packed ballroom with many of South Carolina's Republican movers and shakers. I'm retired. I used to be a banker. I made other people rich. This is the city and county of Charleston, South Carolina. The occasion, the fifth annual Black History Month banquet, sponsored by the county Republican Party. The keynote speaker, South Carolina Republican U.S. Senator Tim Scott. see, my story is the American story. And Scott's story could soon include running for president.
2: I am running for president of the United States of
6: America. His fellow South Carolinian, former Governor Nikki Haley already is. These Republicans in the Palmetto State are enjoying the attention. I mean, we were definitely a Trump state and, and uh, I think people still have a great deal of feeling for him. But then there's our baby Nikki. She decided she's gonna run and there's a lot of passion for her too. Larry Kabrowski is a Republican Charleston County Council member.
5: Well, it makes you feel pride because both of them are legitimate contenders, and you could imagine either of them being president. And
6: indeed, a number of Republicans we talk to here are ready to commit to one of their fellow South Carolinians.
1: I love Tom Scott. I just feel like he's got our best interests at heart. That's true.
6: But not necessarily on the top of the ticket. If you could set your own ticket... Who would you vote for for presidency? All right. DeSantis and Haley would be
7: vice president. Yes. Or DeSantis and Tim Scott would be vice president.
5: My suspicion is that the one that will be electable will be DeSantis.
6: But Mark Knapp, a lifelong Charlestonian, still thinks Donald Trump can win and is ready to vote for him again. I don't know if Nikki's really got what it takes to deal with the swamp. What about Tim Scott, if he announces he's running for president? I like Tim a lot, but I haven't seen the demeanor I think it's going to take to wrestle those, those, those scallywags in Washington. <laughs> there are some Democrats <laughs> wow. who came to the scale to celebrate Black History Month. But most everyone else we talked to did vote for Donald Trump twice. However, we met quite a few who are looking for a fresh face. But why would not you vote for Trump again? Trump is divisive.
8: He is he continues to play divisive politics cards and he hasn't grown up since I don't think I'm on the side of leaning towards where we've been. I'm I'm more focused on leaders of presenting new opportunities and where we could go from here. Does that
6: mean that you're not leaning towards voting for Donald Trump? That's that would be my personal preference, yes. Not surprisingly, at this early stage, the majority of people we talk to say they are not sure who they will vote for yet.
5: I've been a Republican since 1988 when I was a freshman in college, so I am very dedicated to the party. But you don't know which
6: Republican you like just yet? Too soon. And that's what the chair of this county's Republican Party, Maurice Washington, likes to hear. He wants this campaign to be a competition, not a
7: coronation. This is not going to be... Uh, List Park to see and allow the former president to uh, walk through.
1: So, several things. I thought it was interesting hearing from the voter who says that he will not support Donald Trump because he hasn't grown up. And Donald Trump is in his 70s. He's like 76. Yeah. And so he was early 70s when he was running for president he was in his mid 70s when he was president and they're talking about he hasn't grown up in yeah. the time i mean what were you expecting well he's not always only that, been the same
0: he he's he is that's it he's the same he was the same in 2016 he was the same in 2020 when you voted for him a second time yeah but so nothing has fucking changed other than the fact other than the fact he lost mm-hmm. and they realized oh shit very unlikely he's gonna win again I mean, he didn't win the popular vote any time ever, and it's certainly not a sure thing that he would win in 2024.
1: Yeah, well, I think what stands out to me in those those interviews is that you're not hearing a lot of enthusiasm for Nikki Haley. You are hearing her name talked more in the context of vice president, that, that she will be put in a position for Ron DeSantis or Donald Trump, you know, and same with Tim Scott. People weren't really saying... Oh yeah, Tim Scott for president. I think one person did, but they're also talking about Tim Scott in the context of good choice for vice president yeah. for Ron DeSantis.
0: It, it was nice for them to take time to talk to the child molester character from uh, from Family Guy. <laughs> did you hear that guy?
1: Child be picking a drone DeSantis. All right. So imagine. F- fuck you, man! Imagine that is wow. <laughs> imagine. Imagine talking to someone who is saying that they have been a member of the Republican Party since the 80s, so they have a lot of dedication to the to the party, and feeling like that is... Why stop now? I don't know. Something to be proud of. I'm
0: decades into this mistake. I can't turn back now.
1: I know. it's Isn't that saying, like, just because you spent a lot of time making the mistake doesn't mean yeah. that you need to continue making the mistake and making Look, your life?
0: I'm already halfway over the cliff, I might as well just
6: let her
1: go. Yeah, I don't know. People will talk about that. Like, I've always believed this. It's like, well, maybe you should like reconsider it or look at some new info. There might be something you're missing since the 80s. I don't know. If, you're, if your beliefs haven't changed since the 80s... Mm,
0: well, <laughs> it's a great question. It actually leads us to the next topic, which is Republicans who aren't going to change their minds given any new information whatsoever. Uh, this week... Because of a document, um, a filing with a court, the, the with the Dominion lawsuit against Fox News, it was revealed all kinds of internal text messages surrounding what Fox knew about the election lies and and how they were communicating internally with one another, including the hosts, and they still went along with the lie.
8: Immediately after Joe Biden's 2020 victory, Fox News hosts were unabashed in promoting the false declarations that the election had been stolen from Donald Trump.
0: Electronic voting machines didn't allow people to vote, apparently. And that, whatever you think of it, the cause of it, it shakes people's faith
4: in the system. That is an actual threat to democracy. It will be impossible to ever know the true, fair, accurate election results.
8: But new court filings show that in private, Fox hosts Tucker Carlson, Laura Ingram, and Sean Hannity were brutally ridiculing the claims of election fraud and the people who were making them. Their private messages in a legal filing that's part of Dominion Voting System's $1.6 billion lawsuit against Fox News. One person they insulted, Trump campaign lawyer Sidney Powell, a vociferous election lie promoter.
3: What we are really dealing with here and uncovering more by the day is the massive influence of communist money.
8: In one text revealed in the court filing, Tucker Carlson texted Laura Ingram saying, quote, Sidney Powell is lying. I caught her. It's insane. Ingram responded, quote, Sidney is a complete nut. No one will work with her. Ditto with Rudy. A reference to Trump lawyer Rudy Giuliani and his post-election claims. There was a, a plan from a centralized place to execute these various acts of voter fraud. In other messages, Sean Hannity said Giuliani was, quote, acting like an insane person. Ingram described Giuliani as an idiot. Fox Corporation chairman Rupert Murdoch said it was, quote, really bad that Giuliani was advising Trump. This tells you a lot about Fox News' uh, internal machinations. It tells you that they have one version of the world that they keep to themselves and another version of the world that they broadcast to their viewers. The two are entirely incompatible. But Fox kept promoting election denialism. Why? The filings in the Dominion suit illustrate that Fox executives were worried about losing viewers to Newsmax, a smaller conservative channel that was constantly pushing election denial. Trump himself, furious that Fox had called Arizona for Biden had encouraged his followers to switch to Newsmax. Since 2002, Fox News has basically been the preeminent ratings champion in cable news. And you see here the moment that they see any sign that might be slipping away. It's panic. But the Dominion filings also say that when then President Trump tried to call in to Fox on January 6th, the day his supporters attacked the Capitol, Fox executives refused to put Trump on the air. Fox News, denies Dominion's claims in the lawsuit, says that it's proud of its 2020 election coverage, and says those court filings contained cherry-picked quotes that lacked context. In a statement, Fox accused Dominion of creating, quote, noise and confusion, and said the core of this case remains to be about freedom of the press and freedom of speech. Brian Todd, CNN, Washington.
0: That's all absolute fucking nonsense. In fact, one thing that's been underreported about this entire case is that much of the conspiracy theory from Sidney Powell was from an email to Sidney Powell that she forwarded on to different Fox hosts, including Maria Bartiromo, who really gave Sidney Powell a ton of time. I'm gonna read very briefly from this email, from this court document. This is page 25 if you happen to have it. And it says this. In addition to promoting lies about Dominion, the sender of this email claimed that Justice Scalia, quote, was purposefully killed at the annual Bohemian Grove camp during a week-long human hunting expedition. And this, end quote, and that former Fox News CEO Roger Ailes, who died in 2017, and Rupert Murdoch, quote, secretly huddle most days to determine how best to portray Mr. Trump as badly as possible, end quote. The author continued, quote, Who am I, and how do I know all of this? I've had the strangest dreams since I was a little girl, and I was internally decapitated, and yet I live. The wind tells me I'm a ghost, but I don't believe it, end quote.
1: It reminds me of that Nathan For You episode.
0: Which one? Oh, the, the, the ghost realtor.
1: Yeah, the ghost realtor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where she's like, that reminds me of what happened in Switzerland. And Nathan Fielder leans in. He's like, what happened in Switzerland? <laughs> and then I think she claims that she got raped by a ghost, yeah, right? that's right. Yeah, and he's just like listening to this story like, what? <laughs> yeah. What are you saying?
0: So this is the source. And then it, it goes on to explain how Mar- Maria Bartiromo doesn't explain to the audience Where the conspiracy theories that they're promoting came from, Mm -hmm. from a woman who believes the wind tells her she's a ghost, but nah, I don't believe it. Yeah. A woman who believes that Justice Scalia was killed in a human hunting expedition, They don't believe any of that, but they do believe the election conspiracies. Come
9: on.
1: Well, I mean, the the text messages are proof that the Fox hosts did not believe the election fraud conspiracies, that they believed that Donald Trump would eventually stop saying that the election was stolen, that he would eventually come around and accept reality, that they knew that, that they believed that, they were all communicating that, and yet they would go on and tell millions of people otherwise. And this is, I mean... This is important for people who want to know the truth about what Fox News is and what they do. Unfortunately, I don't think it's going to get to the people who need to hear it the most that, hey, these Fox News hosts that you watch every night that you feel like have your best interest in mind. They don't. They were lying. They knew they were lying. And they told you what you wanted to hear anyway because it was politically expedient and ultimately gives them more power. That's and,
0: it. And that is that. I mean, that's the summation. It, it's more political power. They don't care. But one, also, they know their, their, their audience isn't going to question. Mm-hmm. Their audience is, it's motivated reasoning to the height of, of any understanding of that particular phrase.
1: Right. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, so those are good court documents. You were able to just download that if you are interested in reading through the whole thing or hearing more ghost stories, whatever you want. You can just... uh, (laughs) Well, I did
0: a video about it, and in the video description at the very bottom, there is a link to the document if you want to go check it out.
1: There you go. So uh, let's talk about this. This is kind
0: of in your wheelhouse mental health, Brittany. Um, Senator Fetterman has checked himself in to the hospital uh, voluntarily to deal with some mental health issues. And... um, we're going to play some sound here about it, but he also want to talk about it. Now to that new health setback for Senator John Fetterman of Pennsylvania checking himself into the hospital for clinical depression. ABC's senior congressional correspondent Rachel Scott joins us now. And Rachel, this comes as Senator Fetterman is still suffering from the effects of a massive stroke last May.
3: Yes, but in fact, Senator John Fetterman was just released from the hospital a few days ago after feeling lightheaded. Tonight, we have learned he has checked himself into Walter Reed Medical Center where he's being treated for clinical depression. In a statement, his office says, while John has experienced depression off and on throughout his life, it only became severe in recent weeks. Adding John is getting the care he needs and will soon be back to himself. His wife tweeting, I'm so proud of him for asking for help and getting that care. As of now, it's unclear how long Fetterman will remain in the hospital one source close to the senator says it's expected that he will be there longer than just a few days around 16 million adults struggle with depression every single year in this country tonight senators on both sides of the aisle are commending him for getting the help he needs and are wishing him well with
0: rachel scott our thanks to you not the greatest reporting it leaves me you shouldn't report on something and leave me with questions that should have been asked well you have the information Which senators on both sides of the aisle are commending him? Which ones? Yeah. that's, That's an important piece of this. Yeah, absolutely. But listen, the other element of this is, like his wife saying she's so proud of him for doing so, I'm proud of him for doing so. Imagine a world where our leaders normalized mental health struggles. Imagine a world where... A politician doesn't think more of the optics than they do of getting help and taking care of themselves.
1: Absolutely. Well, and it's important that millions of people are going to see their experiences reflected in John Fetterman's. And it's important to have people in positions of power. We say this all the time on this show. It is important to have people in positions of power that understand the actual struggles of everyday Americans, of everyday people. And depression is a reality for millions of Americans. And they struggle to recover from things like a stroke. They struggle to recover from a diagnosis that alters their life and changes how they communicate or changes how they have to live.
0: How able-bodied they are or right. they once were and they have to cope with that. It's a new way of existing.
1: Right, reconciling a new identity, a new way to look at yourself, a new way of of being.
0: Yeah, I've heard a lot of people just chalk this up to he wasn't ready to be a senator and blah, blah, blah. And I think that's all fucking nonsense. I, I mean, I, I would be far more willing to accept that it's, this is just him dealing with a new way of being because he had a stroke and it's a life-altering uh, diagnosis.
1: Yeah, I mean, I was reading reporting that he's still adjusting to using a device to communicate with his colleagues. He is he's living alone in D.C., away yeah. from his family, and they, I think, try to see him on weekends or something like that, but that he's away from his kids, away from his wife. And those are big transitions for people to deal with. And I think that hearing someone talk about how that's hard instead of just being like, do what you got to do, pick yourself up, move forward. You know, that actually is going to save lives that, that, that the team decided John Fetterman decided to release this information and be open about it. Is he the first Senator to go to the hospital for depression while serving in Congress? I doubt it, but is he the first one to be open about Publicly, it? Yeah, since I right. since I can remember, certainly. So I think it's very important it it sends a really positive me- message to other people who are struggling in a similar way and we wish him and his family only the best and hopefully there is there's is healing on the way.
0: And further and further and I'm sure John Federbun would agree, we need a healthcare system in America where everyone has the ability to check themselves in to, to receive this kind of absolute top-notch world-class care that he's receiving right now at Walter Reed. This Absolutely. shouldn't be some elite thing that just because you're a United States senator you have access to. Everybody from senator to whatever the, the job that's stereotypically the lowest, everybody needs uh, access to that kind of care. Absolutely. We'd love to know what you think. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com.
5: It's the asshole of today.
1: Bill Maher. Probably not his first time. Bill Maher. Definitely not his first time. And I just think it's important to talk about Bill Maher occasionally because there are many people on the left who still say that they watch Bill Maher, they love Bill Maher. And sure, that's fine if you like to watch him. I watch him for different reasons because... One, I like to torture myself, but two, I like to be aware of the things that are going on. And you never know, maybe he'll surprise me one day. Maybe he's really going to get it together. Don't hold your
0: fucking breath.
1: Yeah. So Bill Maher has long been anti vax. He is anti-science, and when I say that, people say, what are you talking about? Well, if you're anti-vax, you're anti-science, and he's also anti-GMO.
0: He's also an anti-trans bigot.
1: He has many, many disappointing views for someone who is supposed to represent the left. And he's only growing more comfortable with the right, by the way. He,
0: he's taking the path of Jimmy Dore, I think.
1: Yeah, he's talking a lot about woke problems with the yeah. Democrats. I mean, he sounds like a Republican a lot of the time. Sure. And this was another example on his show this weekend. He decided to talk about a study that he, that he read a headline about uh, <laughs> regarding... Does he
0: say he read a headline about or he just talks about the study as though he read it?
1: Yeah, I mean, you'll hear how much yeah. of an expert he is on <laughs> talking about this study. Absolute dumb fuck. Uh, on, about, about COVID vaccines and comparing the immunity that you get post-infection with COVID versus the immunity that you get from the vaccine.
4: Because I saw in the paper today, kind of a big story, I think. I wonder how much it's going to get covered in the liberal media because it's about how natural immunity, they did a giant study, 65 countries, uh, or maybe Something like 65 countries, many, many different studies, they looked at them all. Natural immunity, as good or better than the vaccine. Something I've been saying since the beginning, and I get called an anti-vaxxer. That's not an anti-vaxxer. This is the kind of thing, I, you know, my problem with the media from both sides is not that you, you guys lie. It's that you tell me your side of the story that you want me to know. You don't tell me the whole story. I'd be curious as to how much play this story gets, because... I, I remember reading that they did a study of Republicans versus Democrats. The question was, what percentage? This is like a year and a half ago, what percentage of people who get COVID require hospitalization? The answer is less than one percent. Almost half of Democrats thought it was over fifty percent. They listen to your network. Where do they get that kind of information? That was you to, to you. That first? was no. clear. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that, that's bad information they have in their head, and it's from one side.
1: He was talking to a host that I, I, I don't recognize. I would have had to look it up, and I didn't look it up. I, I think it was someone from MSNBC, which I don't watch, so I, I didn't recognize that person. But anyway, it was clearly a liberal that he yeah. was talking to, asking to have that explained. I want to focus on a statement that Bill Maher made, and it was, I've been saying this for years about yeah. about vaccines, and it's like, who gives a shit what you've been saying? You're not an expert. Right. You're, ta- you're talking as though you've had knowledge of this. Like you have studied it. When really yeah. you just have an intuition. You have an opinion about something. And that's not knowledge. So when someone is like talking to you about this and they say, I've been saying this for years about this scientific issue. <laughs> okay, what are we supposed to do with that? You're not an expert. It doesn't matter if Bill you've been Maher's saying not it not even years. an
0: expert on how to be fucking funny. It's, so. I- his uh, What he lacks in expertise could be written in volumes of books.
1: But I also, I don't like the phrase natural immunity because really what they're comparing here is they're, they're talking about Immunity that you get post-infection, the immunity that you get after you have COVID, versus the immunity that you get from the vaccine. And Bill Maher's reason for bringing this up and saying that he's been been right about this, he's been right about the benefit of the immunity that you get from getting infected versus the one from vaccines, is because he's anti-vax. Yes. And and anti-vax people want to highlight this information because they want to denigrate vaccines and act like vaccines are lesser. But there's an inherent danger that comes along with the immunity that is in a post infection immunity. You have to get infected. Yes. And you have to risk all of the complications that come along with getting infected well, also, first before also, you get that immunity. He's
0: even downplaying only less than half of one percent. Yeah. Well when you when there are Hundreds of millions of people getting the disease. That adds up to millions of people being killed, dying from the disease that only a half of 1% get hospitalized for.
1: Well, and I again, I think it's important to make the point I was making that when you get infected and that's the way that you get your immunity, you're still risking the complications that can come with that infection. absolutely. Like long COVID, losing your sense of smell and taste. I mean, these are things that are... Important variables to consider in the risk yeah. that that is in getting COVID also, versus we the don't risk. know the long
0: term what the long term ramifications of losing your sense of smell of, of losing your sense of taste
1: right versus your risk of getting the vaccine so what are the risks of getting COVID versus what are the risks of getting the vaccine again anti vaxxers vaxers would say oh the risks of getting the vaccine far outweigh the risks of getting COVID right. but again do does research show that i no
0: well the other thing he said very very boldly by the way is well i wonder if the media is even going to cover this this is the smoking gun that the media doesn't want you to know about
1: yeah and i had to i had to dig deep to find the media talking about this and i found this network i don't know if you guys have heard of it it's called c b cbs <laughs> CBS.
0: New study finds that COVID 19 immunity, the natural kind caused by getting the virus and then beating it, can be just as protective as getting a vaccine.
9: The study published in The Lancet found infection generated immunity can cut the risk of hospitalization and death from COVID 19 by up to 88% for up to 10 months.
0: Dr. Stanley Perlman joins us now with more. He's a distinguished chair at the University of Iowa. Speaking of Iowa, in the department's of microbiology, uh, immunology, and pediatrics. Uh, thank you very much for being here, Doctor. Uh, your big takeaways from the study?
7: Well, first, thank you for having me. My takeaways from the study are really. That natural infection works pretty well in preventing hospitalization on subsequent rechallenge. This is not a complete surprise. This is what we expect immunity to infections to do. Uh, the parts of this study that I think uh, raise questions or that are interesting is the question: of How does it compare to vaccination? Right. And what what this study does is it compares uh, protection. For those who have been immunized with the basic two-shot series versus this reinfection, and the reinfection does a little better. But I think, as we all know now, people have received boosters, particularly the first booster is considered very important for protection. And the second booster may help some, particularly against the new Omicron-type variants. So you put this all together. Oh, sorry, go well, on. Well, I was going to say, it
0: sounds like you were building to it. I mean, bottom line, do people still
4: need to get boosters and vaccines if they've already had uh, the virus and therefore have immunity.
7: Yeah, so I think that that is the question. And I think it has to be a nuanced answer because what we know is that for many people, being infected and occasionally maybe being reboosted by getting the infection again may protect them. But there are are groups for, for whom this is not true. People who have never been infected or vaccinated can still get very severe disease. And we have to remember that this was the strategy that was used in Sweden initially. And what it ended up with was a lot of people dying. Uh, because um, the infection is still bad. We still have 500 people a day dying in the U.S. And most of those people are either babies who have never been vaccinated or older people whose immunity isn't great or people who don't have a good immune system.
9: Now, um, Dr. Perlman, this study did not include hybrid immunity, which, as I understand it, comes when someone contracts the virus and is also fully vaccinated. Is that, I guess, the ideal level of protection?
7: I don't know what ideal is. Uh, I think if one is vaccinated, if one has been infected and it's done well and then vaccinated, that seems to work well. The mm-hmm. reverse seems to be good as well. But the, the challenge with this virus is even with immunity, whether it be uh, from a natural infection or from vaccination, people are still getting reinfected. Yeah. So they're not going to the hospital. and They're not dying. But there's still lots of infections around.
1: So. This I think was a balanced discussion of yeah. the study. It wasn't necessarily in depth. It didn't really go into limitations of the study specifically, but it was more of a of a well-rounded discussion than what you heard Bill Maher rattle off in his incomplete and actually inaccurate summary of what the study was. And I, I do want to talk about the study just briefly because it was a meta-analysis, which means that they take a bunch of different independent studies that are similar, hopefully, and they basically combine the results of those studies to get their result. And you heard Bill Maher say that there were like 60 countries in this in this study. You heard him say that, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he is wrong. And there. <laughs> were 65 studies included in this meta-analysis from 19 different countries. Mm. So it's 19 countries, but 65 studies included in this meta-analysis. Meta-analyses are difficult to do because you, you need to consider a lot of different things. And, and some criticism for meta-analysis is that they combine different types of studies and it can be like mixing apples and oranges. And so meta-analysis is something that is difficult to do right based on the criticism that I've read. So I'm, I'm not saying discount this study. What I'm really saying is, number one, I'm not qualified to get into in-depth about whether or not this is a good study or not. And further, Bill Maher is certainly not yeah. qualified to discuss whether or not this is a good study well, or so, not. So, so. Hanging
0: your hat on one fucking study and coming out guns blazing because of one study, I mean, you'd have to change your mind every other year about whether milk is good for you.
1: You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, and I mean, again, I don't want to, I don't want to sow too much skepticism, but I think it is healthy to have the skepticism about
0: one study. If, Absolutely. If you have a, if you have a. A, a panoply of all of studies, all pointing to the same thing. Yeah, yes, absolutely. But that's how science works.
1: Yes, of course. So, Bill Maher continuing his anti-vax adventures, and we will hope <laughs> for the best that he will see the error of his ways. He won't, and come around. <laughs> Taken care of. it is i guess between two things either el paso dog shelter or bailey the sweetie precious pup that we're going to talk about (laughs) in this clip because well i'm gonna go with the dog okay bailey
0: humans run the the shelter good for you great it's it's altruistic and beautiful but it's got to go to the dog
1: well okay so bailey was adopted and so you know she moved out of the shelter And normally dogs would be thrilled about that and would never want to go back to the shelter again. (laughs) Bailey was a little different. At El
2: Paso's local animal rescue league, one husky mix has always stood out from the pack. So Bailey's
9: always been kind of a character. She likes to hug. She's super friendly, um, lovey, cuddly kind of dog, but she's big and our big dogs don't get adopted as quickly as our little dogs
2: do. That's Animal Rescue League director Loretta Hyde. She worked hard to get Bailey into the right home, but not long after her adoption, the call came in that Bailey was on the
9: loose. We put it on every social media outlet that we had to let people know. And then they were saying, "Okay, we've seen Bailey at certain sightings. Boom, we take off, go look for her. But by the time you get there, they're gone. You know, they don't stay in one place.
2: Reported sightings of Bailey by concerned community members kept moving in the direction of the shelter.
9: The night before she showed up, I told one of our board members that had been out looking for her that she's on her way home. And she goes, you're crazy. I said, mark my words, that dog is going to be back at the shelter soon. And sure enough,
2: after two long days in the middle of the night on the shelter's ring camera, this notification.
9: They looked on the ring camera and go, is that Bailey? And they <laughs> turned on the, the ring camera f- microphone and go, Bailey? And she jumps up right in the middle of the camera like, yeah, hello, it's me. Let me in. I'm cold. I'm hungry. We're going to we going Bailey traveling over 10
2: miles all the way back wow. to the shelter. Animal Rescue League employees rushing over in the middle of the night, making sure this beloved dog got food and shelter. It's so this energetic dog now safely settling back in
9: with her new family. For Bailey to get this much attention, I just hope it brings people to make them aware that shelters have wonderful dogs and cats that need to be rehomed. Great story.
1: Yeah, and Popeye, of course, our our old bulldog, who many of you will remember, was a rescue. And we got him from Southern California Bulldog Rescue when he was about seven, I think. And he made it to nine and a half. So we had him for two and a half years. And he had a lot of problems, you know. Yeah. he 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 had a lot of health problems when we got him, and those definitely continued. But he... Hated going back to the rescue, happened to be at his vet as well. And so every time we went to the vet, it was like a reminder of going back to the rescue. And we would have to drag him inside.
0: Not a fan. He
1: hated. Toward the
0: end, he was okay. Yeah. Because it was like time at. he had to go to the vet a lot. Yeah. And it was time after time after time. He's like, all right, they're coming back.
1: Yeah. They're not just (laughs) dropping me off here again.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But in the beginning, it was not great. He's like, you're not
1: taking me back here. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going back in. So I guess it's a credit to the shelter that Bailey really wanted to come back.
0: Yeah, it it is. What she said at the end there is, is so great that it, it should communicate to people that shelters aren't just problem dogs who were abandoned because of their behavioral or health issues. It's a lot of good fucking dogs, and people have particular reasons that they they give up dogs. A lot of times it's irresponsible shittiness, and it's on the people, not on the dog.
1: Yeah, well, and I think that's an important point. I actually was going to have a news package about shelter dogs because there's been a, a decrease in adoptions and an increase of giving dogs to shelters because of the dogs that were purchased or obtained during the pandemic that right. people are now returning or not able to take care of. But a lot of it is financial. People yeah. just don't have the money to take care of dogs and dogs can be very expensive, yeah. especially if they do. And have- I
0: wouldn't consider that part of the asshole thing, mm-hmm. but we've, we've witnessed like, I don't know how you, you have a Popeye for six, seven years. And then, you know, some of these dogs are just found as strays and just abandoned a dog. It's, it's asshole of today territory. Well, we are, we are we're
1: in a take care of biz territory yeah. right now. So, shout out to Bailey taking care of biz.
0: We are going to leave you there. We love you guys. We appreciate your listenership, your loyalty and your your uh, all of your participation with the show. If you'd like to sound off about these or any other stories that are on your mind, 657-464-7609. Of course, you can email a voice memo from your smartphone to it at dollamore.com. We are accepting new Patreon supporters. <laughs> if you'd like to join the Patreon family, we welcome you. Go to patreon.com slash idoubtitpodcast. We would love to have you uh, join us on, uh, on our monthly uh, Zoom call, which is actually this weekend.
1: It is, yes.
0: And uh, get yourself those yearly Patreon gifts that we uh, are so fond of having chaos surrounding. We love you guys. We'll see you next time for Brittany Page. I'm Jesse Dollimore, and this has been I doubt.